Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. I am so glad that you have tuned in. This is a wonderful lesson that we're going to share uh, today. It's concerning uh, just living in harmony with one another and walking with Jesus. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your goodness, for your mercy, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your great grace that is upon us today. I'm so thankful for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, Lord, that we're all being tempered and we're learning how to grow up in the things of God. And I'm so thankful for the church today, the church that is on the move. And we give you praise and honor and glory. Now, Father, we ask you to bless uh, this time of study in this session and we'll praise you and give you thanks in Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to be in First Peter today, chapter three, and we're going to be looking at verses eight all the way down through the end of the chapter, verse 22. And uh, we're going to be talking today about conducting ourselves as true believers. Amen. Now, we're all if we're born again, we're all true believers. Amen. That's a stated fact. I mean, that, there, there's nothing that uh, the world can take away from us concerning our relationship, our born again experience with Jesus Christ. The problem is so much of the time we don't conduct ourselves as true believers and true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is because, well, we're all in different stages of spiritual development and it doesn't take uh, you. You can't you can't reach spiritual maturity in a week or in a year or in a couple of years. It takes a while. And the reason why and we're going to find this out in a little bit is that the Holy Spirit has got to work in us and he's got to work through us in order to work out of us. Amen. Praise God. So uh, if you're having a hard time, if you're in a bumpy road and and uh, you say things and you do things and then your heart can condemns you and convicts you, listen, don't lose hope. God is working on the inside of us to perfect that which concerns us. Amen. So we just keep on uh, keeping on and uh, we'll get to the place where we want to be. All right. First Peter, chapter three, beginning in verse eight. Notice uh, Peter says, finally, all of you be of one mind. Now, what happens when the church or a group of people, a congregation, uh, a nation, what happens when all of us come into one mind? Well, then suddenly something happens. Uh, you'll remember that when the singers and the praisers in the Old Testament and the dedication of the temple, when they came together to make one voice unto the Lord, the cloud filled, the glory cloud filled the temple and the priest could not stand to minister. And you remember that uh, in the upper room, when they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So there is a definite uh, purpose and us becoming one mind. And so Peter says this. Now, he's writing to the church. Uh, he's writing to the church of his day, and he's writing to the church of our day. Finally, all of you be of one mind. Amen. And this is the one mind that he's talking about. Having compassion for one another. Having compassion, having mercy for one another. Bear one another's burdens, as the Apostle Paul said. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Now, the world returns evil for evil. 
the world returns reviling for reviling. But that is not to be once mentioned in the body of Christ, not once once to be mentioned in the church. When, when I say the church, I'm talking about the blood-bought church. But on the contrary, this is what, what we are to have one mind about. Blessing, knowing that we were called to this, that we may inherit a blessing. So acting like this, Amen. Not to evil for evil, not reviling for reviling, but uh, having compassion for one another, uh, loving as brothers, being tender hearted, being courteous, uh, blessing, being blessed and blessing. This is this type of attitude, this type of purpose of living inherits a blessing. Amen. So basically, Peter is saying here that we have to live in harmony with one another. We have to be sympathetic towards one another. We have to love each other as brothers. Amen. Praise God. Now, I know in the church there's some brothers that can't get along, but that's not what Peter is talking about. When he says love as brothers, we're talking about how uh, we love our Lord and Savior. He is our elder brother. Yes. Amen. Because we've been adopted into the family of God. As our elder brother loves us and as we love our elder brother, that's the same type of love that we are to show towards one another. It's called agape. Amen. And we're to be compassionate towards one another. And we're to be humble. Amen. The spirit of one-upmanship should not be mentioned one time in the blood-bought church. And then Peter says again, we're not to repay evil for evil. The world does that. We're not to repay an insult with an insult. The world does that. We are to bless when we're reviled. Remember what Jesus, remember what Peter said about Jesus. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. And Jesus told us, amen, bless those that curse you and pray for those that despitefully use you. That you may be the children of God. So this is the action of the children of God. This is how we are to be. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, there are people that can make you real angry. I know there's people made us real angry. Amen. So the best course of action for me is just to keep my mouth shut until I can get my emotions under control. Because in the past, I have proven that if I get angry and I open my mouth and say one word, the whole train comes out. And then after that happens, amen, and then I get control of myself, then I've got to turn around and apologize. Amen. So it's best just to keep our mouth shut until we get our emotions under control. Amen. Get out of the emotional realm. Get over into the spirit realm. Amen. So that we can treat people the way Jesus would have us treat people. Amen. And we're called, you know, when we're talking about blessing, we're called to inherit a blessing. But there's things that you and I are going to have to do, amen, to win uh, that reward. Now, James says it. He says, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And then Paul goes down in verse 10 and he says this, for he who would love life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So let me ask this question. 
Do we want to have a happy life? Do we want to have a good life? Well, if we want to have a happy and a good life, number one thing that we have to do is we're going to have to control our tongue. And we're going to have to guard our lips. Amen. From telling lies. We start talking about other people. How do we know whether what we're saying is true or not? It may have absolutely nothing at all to do with truth. But rather, we are to turn away from evil. We're to turn our lips away from evil and we are to do good. And above all things, we seek peace with our brother. Now, I want you to notice uh, something Paul said. This is found in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace. Notice that grace to the hearers. Now, each of us that are listening to this broadcast, you might have a friend. And this friend might be very, very critical of others. I mean, he might be critical of friends. He might be critical of family. And he'll just go ahead and talk about them and he he may even call them out by name. You know, and he may be critical of the church. He might even be critical of certain denominations. I'm guilty of that in the past and I repent of it in Jesus name. Now, this this type of attitude, this type of behavior is a shame. And when we have friends like that and they're always talking about other people. Well, what did they say about us when they're with the other people that they're talking about? (laughs) Amen. So we need to stop that. What we need to do is that we need to follow the scripture and we need to allow the Holy Spirit. Amen. To lead and guide and direct us. And we need to allow the teaching of the word of God, specifically the teachings of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and allow the Holy Spirit to temper us. Notice how I said that to temper us. Amen. When you have a hot piece of steel and you are pounding that steel into a point. You dip it in cold water that tempers the steel that makes it harder. So the Holy Spirit wants to temper us and to harden us against this type of behavior. And he wants to mold us through the the teaching of the word of God, receiving the word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life, wants to mold us into fully mature believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Well, we can start doing that right now. If we have said anything, if we get caught up in talking about other people, let's just make one conscious effort right now to repent of it. Amen. And say, Father, I will not walk on that path any longer. I will not do it. Let's just do what the first Psalm says. We'll not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We're not stand in the way of sinners. We'll not sit in the seat of the scornful. Amen. We'll act and be just like Jesus. And actually, this is how we need to concentrate our spiritual life on. Notice this, Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all things and all wisdom, teaching us and admonishing us and also one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with, notice this, with grace and our hearts to the Lord. 
walking in the love of God, being forgiving, walking in harmony one another, seeking peace, doing good. All of this is walking with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And, and really, this is the Spirit-filled life. Now, I know Pentecostals are famous for talking about being Spirit-filled. Amen. And that's true. There's truth in that. But all of us, whether we're Pentecostal or non-Pentecostal in this area that we're talking about here, amen, this, pursuing this is the Spirit-filled life. You know, that we are to be rich in the words of Christ. We, we need to allow the words of Christ to go down deep into our hearts so that when the words come out of our mouth. Now, we got to judge ourselves on this. So when the words come out of our mouth, they're sweet, they edify and they're profitable to the hearers. Praise God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a good word for the day. Now, let's look at verse 12 of First Peter, chapter three, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them who do evil. Now, people in the church who render evil for evil and insult with insult, Jesus and the word of God is calling that evil. So do we want an open line to our heavenly father? Do we want him to hear and answer our prayers or do we want his face to be against us? No. All right. If we want his ears to be open to our prayers, amen, then we're going to have to conduct ourselves like the word of God teaches us and tells us to conduct ourselves. Now, verse 12, Peter is quoting Psalm 34, verses 15 and 16. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now notice this, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Notice Peter did not quote that part of verse of the verse, verse 16. He stops with the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And the reason being is that his born again children, uh, he's not going to cut them off. Now he will chasten them. <laughs> He'll chasten us. Amen. He'll, he'll cause our words to come back to us, to embarrass us and to humiliate us. Or he'll just downright chasten us uh, with the word or, or with someone else. Uh, he's going to make sure that we are disciplined to follow him. So Peter left off that last phrase. You know, and a lot of times, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. A lot of times we believers act just like the world. But we may we may do that, but we don't lose our salvation. We're secure in Christ Jesus, but we will have to stand before the Lord one day and we will have to give an account for everything that we said or done. Amen. So let's make sure whatever needs to be fixed gets fixed down here. We don't want anything going before us to the judgment. We want it all taken care of down here on earth. Amen. In these bodies. And now verse 13 and verse 14 says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of the threats nor be troubled. Now, we will suffer harm for doing good. 
Uh, that's truth. That's been uh, duplicated and demonstrated throughout every generation since the time of the Lord Jesus. But Paul, but Peter says this, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, he says you are still blessed. Be why are we still blessed? Because we have Jesus approval. Amen. Praise God. And we want to do all things uh, to bless him. Now, Paul said this in First Thessalonians chapter five. In verse 15, see that none render evil for evil to unto any man. That's sinner and that's saint alike. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. That's saint as well as sinner. Amen. And we're blessed. But now Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but can't kill the soul but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the one that we are to fear. Now, when I say fear, I'm not talking about being in terror. I'm talking about uh, having a reverential respect. But I'm telling you, when we stand before Jesus, <laughs> man, I tell you, we're going to wind up on the ground. We are. He is an awesome, awesome God. Praise God. But he loves us. See? He loves us in spite of our humanity, in spite of our manliness or our womanliness. He loves us. Praise God. He's chosen to love us. And there's nothing that you and I do that diminish his love for us. Now, love without truth is blind. He's also as truthful as he is lovely. Amen. So let's just make sure that we follow truth. Amen. Now, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord and God in your hearts. Now, what? why did Paul mention this? Well, he's talking about conduct, uh, treating others the way Jesus would treat us or treat them. Amen. And so he's saying, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, separate uh, these words. Let them separate you unto the Lord and do it in your heart. In other words, make your mind up, be determined. This is the way I'm going to walk. I'm going to set a watch over my mouth so that I'm not going to let the Lord's, uh, uh, I'm not going to sin against the Lord. You know, it's a real interesting thing how that for years I quoted that as a single scripture verse. You know, I said, Lord, I set a watch over my mouth that I might not sin against thee. And I, when I went to find that verse, I couldn't find it. And lo and behold, I found out that I had combined two verses into one, which is OK to do. Psalm 141.3 says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth or before my lips. Psalm 119.11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. And see, that's the cry and that's the prayer of the psalmist. And that should be our cry and our prayer too. verse 15 again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, we want to look at this word ask because it's the Greek word Iteo, which has a strong demand towards it. Now, when we're praying this prayer towards the father, we're placing a demand upon his resources that he's already laid up for us. It's like when you were a teenager, you know, you walked into your dad and you walked into your mom and, or, or your mom and you said, Mom, I need the car tonight. So you're just placing a demand for something that's already been set aside for your use. <laughs> 
You just need to get permission. Or when you go into your boss's office and you say, boss, I need a raise. You're placing a demand upon your boss who has, amen, the power to give you a raise or to refuse it. So, uh, but in this case, uh, people, let me, let me read the verses again, again, and always be ready to give a defense. Notice you're on the defensive to everyone who asks you or demands of you a reason for the hope that is in you. So we're talking about being in a situation where somebody uh, demands of you and then you're on the defensive and you have to give an answer. In other words, a debate, something like that. But you do it with meekness and fear. You don't get agitated. You don't get mad. You don't start calling that person stupid. You don't call them an idiot. I know I'm guilty of that. I'm, and I, I repent before the Lord for doing it. But you do it with meekness and with fear. Meekness and fear is relying upon the Holy Spirit to give you the very words that you need to for your mind to settle down. Get out of the emotional realm. Get your mind settled down where you can think of a proper response. Amen. To someone who is pressing you uh, for an answer. And then verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers. Now we're talking about persecution now. We're talking about some type of confrontational situation where, you know, you express the fact that you are a believer and people are going to come back and they're going to press you to get you to back down. Well, uh, if we approach this type of confrontation with meekness and fear and reverence, remember now we're, 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 we're not getting mad at that person. You know, we want to minister to that person. And we want to de-escalate the situation so that it doesn't get violent. Amen. And we approach this confrontation with meekness and with fear. And then Peter says, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. I remember reading years ago uh, an ancient Greek philosopher. It was either, I think it was Socrates. He was uh, talking about... Uh, um, Someone came up to him and said, did you hear what so-and-so was saying about you? He was uh, defaming your character. And what are you going to do about it? Well, Socrates replied and said, well, I'm just going to live my life in such a way that when people see me and see my conduct, they're going to know that that person is a liar. And that's there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. Jesus said to his own disciples if you and to the Jews, if you don't believe me, believe the works that I do. You see, the works, the evidence of a person's conduct really speaks to that person's inward nature. Amen. Praise God. And so that's how we win debates. We don't win debates by arguing. We win debates by meekness and fear, waiting for the Holy Spirit, when we open our mouth to give us the words to say, but we do it in such a way, amen, that uh, not only will we win the argument intellectually, but we'll also win the argument by our conduct. And remember, when people, re you know, when, when they stop debating and start name calling and start criticizing, understand right away that they have already lost the debate. You've already won. So all you need to do is just smile and just say, well, have a good day and turn around and walk off. <laughs> 
Amen. You can you can you can take courage that you have won the debate because when they their their uh, debate devolves into name calling and criticism, Amen. Then they know that they've lost. So let's sanctify the Lord in our hearts. The reason Jesus was able to withstand what came upon him is that he had already made up his mind what he was going to do. He was going to honor his father. He had already sanctified his heart unto the Lord. And he was determined to carry out the father's will. Well, that type of attitude is our attitude. We should have the same mind as the Lord Jesus. Amen. We're able to withstand whatever comes against us because we've already made up our mind what we're going to do. We've already sanctified our heart unto God. We're going to do the Father's will. And that means we're going to speak up for him. Amen. Praise God. We're going to witness for him. And then the last section, section 18 through 22, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive or quickened by the spirit. Now, one word we could use to define to uh, define this word quicken is to be is the word invigorated. Amen. But uh, most translations have made alive. Well, what is he? What is the translators and what is Peter talking about? Well, he's talking about the resurrection. Amen. Being put to death on the cross, but raised from the dead by the power of God. And then uh, Peter goes on and says, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. While Jesus' uh, body was in the tomb, his spirit was went and preached to the spirits in prison. Amen. He got those that were righteous out of the prison house, but at the same time, he presented himself to those who refused to believe in the coming Messiah. And their action proved that they did not believe. Verse 19 and 20 again, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient <clears throat> when once the divine long-suffering waited. Notice that long-suffering waited. Waited. How long did he did the Lord wait? 120 years while Noah was building the ark. 120 years. I'm telling you, God is long suffering and he's long suffering towards us. We may not do things that, are, that the Lord is pleased with. Amen. But he's patient and long suffering with us. If we do something that we know is not of God, would let's just be quick to repent. And if we have ought against any, let's be quick to forgive. Amen. Let's just wipe that slate clean and go on. Praise God. We'll be better for it. We'll have a happy life and our happy life will be filled with blessing. Praise God. So verse 20 again, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight souls were saved through water. Think about that entire populace and out of that entire populace, only eight uh, were saved after the flood. So don't think it a strange thing with you being in a minority, especially if you're on the job and all of your fellow employees are all sinners. They all like to party up. They all like to do uh, be vulgar. That's OK. Just remember this. You are the light that shines in the darkness. Just make sure that your light is shining and that you don't become part of what they're doing. You keep yourself separate. You make up your mind. You determine beforehand what you're going to do, what you're going to be. Amen. Let that light shine. And in the end, those that revile you on the job are going to come to respect you. 
Amen. Praise God. And you're going to be a positive witness uh, to uh, the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Praise the Lord. All right. The last two verses. Uh, the like figure whereunto baptism also now saves us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection. Notice that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Aren't you glad that he has saved you? Aren't you glad that you're redeemed? Aren't you glad that one day, if the rapture doesn't take place, you're going to close your eyes in death and they're going to be opened up again in glory? <laughs> Amen. It is worth all the trials down here. Amen. For that great reward. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless those within the sound of my voice. Now, Father, quicken us according to your word and according to the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.